Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's a well-worn cliche around here that Baton Rouge is a tale of two cities with both the highest income levels and outcomes in the state and the lowest. And which of the two cities you're in depends on whether you're north of Florida Boulevard or south. There are a lot of reasons for this. Today, we're going to focus specifically on real estate and investment, disinvestment, and reinvestment to better understand how and where developers are putting their money in this community and what's going on in some long-neglected areas. With me today to discuss this is Chris Tyson, president and CEO of Build Baton Rouge, the City Parish Redevelopment Authority, which was founded in 2009 to promote equitable investment in disinvested communities throughout Baton Rouge, of which there are many. Chris took over at the helm of Build Baton Rouge in 2016 and is leading the agency through an ambitious effort to revitalize one of Baton Rouge's most blighted corridors, Plank Road. Chris is a real estate attorney by training with a graduate degree from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and a law degree from Georgetown. He is also a distinguished professor at LSU's Paul M. Bear Law Center. Chris, you are doing great things in Baton Rouge. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Good to be here. Joining me and Chris is Donnie Jaro, a real estate developer and investor who's been active in Baton Rouge since the 1980s. Earlier this year, he restructured his real estate brokerage, Jaro Real Estate, to include not only traditional commercial brokerage and property management services, but an investment platform, JRE Private Equity Group, that enables qualified investors to buy into properties that Donnie and his partners in the venture have identified as attractive investment vehicles. How do you become a qualified investor? Well, Donnie's going to tell us about that. He's also a founder and part owner in the Regimen Fitness Chain, a boutique fitness concept with locations around the country. Donnie, you're always involved in so many interesting things, and we want to hear what, what you see going on in the real estate market. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. And I've known you for a while and Chris, so looking forward to the conversation. Me too. Well, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Um, let's break it down from sort of the 30,000 foot level. What is Build Baton Rouge? And I mean, when we talk about equitably investing in disinvested communities, those are all the right buzzwords. But let's talk about what that really means in lay terms, you know, at the simplest and, and you know, most specific level. Absolutely. Uh, Bill Baton Rouge, as you mentioned, is the Redevelopment Authority. We are a state agency uh, established in 2007, began operating in 2009. East Baton Rouge Parish in its entirety is our jurisdiction. 
Uh, we are governed by a five-member board of commissioners that is appointed uh, a majority by the mayor president, one by the Baton Rouge Area Chamber of Commerce, and one by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation. And the goal of, of the Redevelopment Authority at its onset and continues to be uh, focusing on uh, coordinated land uh, development, blight elimination, and neighborhood revitalization, uh, primarily in our city's uh, disinvested neighborhoods. That is not unlike uh, similar entities that have existed in cities uh, almost for the entirety of the 20th century around the country. Baton Rouge is a little late to the game, but uh, it, it is certainly uh, part of a comprehensive effort to address uh, land development, urban revitalization uh, in cities. And, and you know, we're happy to, to have those resources and that focus here in Baton Rouge. Right. So what I mean, what are the resources and the tools, since you're talking fast, we can we can squeeze <laughs> in. What are the resources and the tools that, that you need to do this? I mean, obviously you need money, but I mean, specifically when you're talking about buying up blighted properties in, in an area where there are whole tracts of land that need help, right? And private money isn't there. What do you, Chris Tyson, do with, with Build Baton Rouge? So, so that's a that's a great question because for many people it's not clear and transparent what it is we get up and do every day, um, and so I'm gonna try to, to to break that down a little bit. Our work exists at the intersection of a number of disciplines, which is why it can sometimes be a little difficult. Uh, we are are simultaneously focused on urban planning. Um, we are focused on real estate development. We are focused on public finance, and I'll, I'll double click on that one in a second. Uh, we are focused on community engagement and social justice. Uh, we are focused on blight elimination uh, and the policy and politics of uh, getting things done in the city. Uh, you, you mentioned financing and money. Where does this come from? Uh, when I talk about public finance, I'm talking about the full range of uh, resources that leverage uh, government sources, private capital through foundations and nonprofits, or investors who are impact focused, as we are seeing uh, an increasing number of investors around the country uh, looking to invest in, in um, uh, projects that have, uh, you know, kind of a, a financial bottom line, but also a social uh, bottom line. And so those are the resources and they exist locally, they exist statewide, they exist nationally and internationally that we try to target to facilitate uh, investment and development here in Baton Rouge. Okay, well, we're going to come back to that because I want to drill down a little deeper, but I want to bring Donnie into the conversation. And I mean, the burning question, Donnie, I'll, this I'll give you a minute to think about it. I want to ask you is what, what is it going to take a Donnie Gyro to build a shopping center on Plank Road? You know, but, but before we get to that, I want you to explain to us a little bit about what Gyro Real Estate does. And specifically, I love this private equity platform because that's really a new model and concept that you've brought to this market, right? Well, that's correct. Well, Jaro Real Estate, first, we're, our first focus is development. We were as a development company, we do build suits, we've done, you know, all commercial. Uh, we also have a broker charm and a property management arm. And our third arm is the private equity. And you're seeing this in a lot of other markets. You just haven't seen it here in Baton Rouge. You've seen a lot of one-offs where you'll see syndication of money for multifamily or other commercial projects that we have done, acquiring sell shopping center, acquiring South Downs, starring. Uh, the private equity side is, we, we, we just started several months ago, and Trey Williams is my partner there. And it's a platform where we're targeting, uh, we hope to have 100 to 200 accredited investors that we will solicit to where they can, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to invest in real estate unless you're investing into a REIT. 
This would be more of a private, uh, not private, it would be more of a local level where the investors will be mainly here in Baton Rouge and surrounding areas, but they'll be targeted properties in, the, in Louisiana. We'll reach out to the Gulf South, but uh, it's, 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 a, it's a time where you can come and you invest and you're not having to sign debt. You know, that is, and that's the private equity side. You're, you're, it's, you know, we're targeting increments from $50,000 to $150,000. So turning the credit investor is something they can afford. And it's difficult for that investor to go out, see if they want to buy a fourplex where they've got a, first of all, they're, they're new to this, so they, they are not seasoned and they have to go get debt. And it's, it, it's a very difficult process. So we're hoping to make that a lot easier. And the, the, the platform that we're launching is it's really, it's a lot of reporting software. So we're excited about it. We've closed one deal for $3.5 million in Bruce Hart, Louisiana. And we have about 15 to $20 million of developments in the pipeline right now. So just so I understand, like say I've, I've got, you know, not a tremendous amount, not helicopter money in my family, right? But I've got, I've got a couple hundred thousand dollars or maybe I want to move some money out of the market, stock market and, and invest in real estate, but I've never done it before. If I, if I can qualify as an, an accredited investor, I could come to y'all and then you would take my money and invest it in real estate using your expertise, right? It's something like that. And that's correct. And, you know, I don't know the exact requirements. I think you've, it's got to be a net worth of a million dollars plus or a liquidity of 200,000. But what we recommend is to, you know, begin very small and an increment of $50,000. And what we're targeting is a cash return of seven to 9% monthly, paid monthly. There's a reporting system where you see your asset where your equity is working, the appreciation of the property, the cash flow. And then there's a target date that we hope to sell that asset in three, five, seven, maybe 10 years, where the, you know, the IRR, the total return will be targeted more of a 12 to 15%. So a monthly return of seven to 9% projected. And then when we sell the asset, you'll usually pick up another seven, 8% on that. So which turn brings a total return of 14 to 15%. Wow. Okay. Now, while we're talking about money, Chris, um, I want you to follow up a little bit because, I mean, you were explaining some of the tools and some of the, the broad concepts that, that Build Baton Rouge, you know, is, is works by, but what, I mean, where exactly does your funding come from? And I know I'll ask you to talk a little bit about the Plank Road grant money that you all just received to help jumpstart the implementation of that master planning effort. But I mean, how does it really work? And, and how do you get private money like, like Donnie's, you know, into these blighted areas? How do you leverage funds? And what are all your funding sources? Because I think that speaks to the, the transparency that you were mentioned a little while ago that people still probably don't really understand how all the pieces come together. Yeah, so we uh, receive the bulk of our funding through uh, the city parish budget. Uh, and so we are funded, um, uh, have been funded uh, uh, by the, the, the mayor and the city council for the last several years. Who For your uh, operating money, right? Yes, for our general operating dollars. We also are the administrators of the city's uh, HUD programs, and so we receive uh, reimbursement uh, through the administrative allotment from those programs for our services with, with that as well. So that's kind of our operating uh, dollars. With regards to projects, we really are uh, looking at uh, philanthropy. We are applying for tax credits um, and um, uh, kind of piecing those together to then leverage conventional debt uh, to put projects together. So it really is uh, trying to uh, identify uh, 
capital, which is usually philanthropic capital, the kind of seed uh, developments that you then will leverage into other more traditional sources to, to get deals done. Okay. So like recently, as an example of this, you all received a very, you know, a very prestigious award from, from a Chase Bank program, Advancing mm-hmm. Cities program. Yes, yes. So the Advancing Cities Challenge is uh, that we're in the second year of J.P. Morgan Chase's $500 million commitment to revitalizing cities. Uh, Baton Rouge uh, was selected this year along with seven other cities to receive a $5 million award that will be spent on a number of projects in the Plank Road Corridor. And that money, Stephanie, is operating uh, to uh, be leveraged with other sources to catalyze uh, the projects that we have in the in the master plan, which include new mixed use development uh, that will hopefully be anchored by a grocery store, uh, a food incubator and community kitchen, a community park, a small business revolving loan fund, a facade improvement program, uh, the creation of, of a community land trust. Those are the projects that uh, we are um, uh, pursuing through the grant and looking for other sources Uh, including additional philanthropy uh, to help uh, fully implement that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Chris Tyson of Build Baton Rouge and Donnie Jaro of Jaro Real Estate. Donnie, I know you've got grocery store anchored shopping centers out there. I mean, what has to, what has to come into, what pieces have to fall into place for a Donnie Jaro to develop a, a grocery store anchored shopping center? on a plank road? Well, and I've had a little experience and I was involved with the Elysian, which was a multifamily, let me start there. So what Chris is saying, it, it is, it is, it, it takes a special group of people to understand what Chris and his team do, they do to, uh, and it was a learning, it was a learning uh, experience for me when we did the Elysian. We had six or seven sources of money and I worked with Kathy Laborde at Gulf Coast Housing and learned so much, but it was a five-year project. And you, to me, your, your shop, your office has to be set up to understand that, to go get the grants, to go get the funds, to get the donations. But to come into a commercial area like that, first, you know, my first thought is doing some type of feasibility. What is needed? Obviously, we know this area is underserved retail. From there, and that once that's identified, I think Kristen have identified there's, there's a need for grocery and additional retail and, and residential in this area. But you've got to have some resources to help you with this. The lending climate on the conventional side and, and uh, on, the, on the open commercial market is very difficult right now. A lot of the banks are on guard because of the COVID. They don't know the effects of what's going to happen yet. You know, we're just, we've been in this for nine months. Uh, we've been very fortunate. We had not lost many tenants, but the, the lending climate is not real great right now. It's very conservative. Uh, the underwriting has been very strenuous and the equity re- requirements. With that being said, you've got to have the programs and incentives that Chris is talking about to assist with equity, to assist with financing. You got it because if you're in a demographic that's growing, it's still difficult. So to bring, you know, development into a, a blighted area or low income, you need those, those resources. And it's like Chris and them are in the right direction, but if I had the assistance like that, yeah, we would definitely look at something. Uh, I'm a guy from North Baton Rouge. I'm from Baker, Louisiana. <laughs> I went to Bel Air, so my heart's always in North Baton Rouge. So I've always had an interest in, you know, trying to assist 
but it's difficult. And, and everything Donnie's saying is, is, is spot on. And I would add to that that uh, many banks have community development departments where they are looking to invest in, you know, disinvested areas. So they're already primed to understand the risk and they have products that are tailored to that. What they're looking for is uh, the right partners and the right leverage, you know, sources uh, that are helping to subsidize that risk so they can come in and complete the picture. And so it's important that um, uh, Bill Baton Rouge and, and just as any other city has uh, redevelopment authorities or, or land banks or other entities that are focused on developing areas that the market, you know, on its own uh, is not going to take the lead on. Uh, and so you have to bring those sources to, to, to bear to, to in, uh, entice investors and, and private capital to come in. And, and one of the, you know, and this is the complaint you always hear, um, particularly on a platform like the Business Report, you know, in our comment section or something, when you talk about investing in these disinvested communities, you'll hear the commenter say, well, you know, if they could just get a handle on the crime problem, developers would want to go there or well you know why would we want to invest in a you know in a grocery store that's going to get broken into i mean there is that perception whether justified or not but that how do you address the the crime problem how do you bring you know that piece of the puzzle into the equation to make it work so i, I i'll tell you a quick little anecdote i was with uh, I was taking uh, some potential investors to a site. Uh, it's vacant and blighted property. And we we're talking about a, a, a multi-million dollar mixed-use development coming there with retail and, and, and transit amenities and, and everything. And they said, well, what about the crime? What about the crime? And I said, well, you know, most crime occurs within 100 feet of a blighted property. So if we are now improving this entire block with new retail, new residences, people are gonna live here, we're gonna bring all this public money to bear, uh, we're gonna have new infrastructure, um, you will likely see a change in, uh, you know, kind of some of these social conditions, the propensity to commit crime, at least in this particular area. So helping people understand that the fact that there are, are there's crime and these other conditions in neighborhoods, these are not pre-political or pre-historical or natural type of things, right? Uh, they, they are not impervious to change conditions, uh, investment, as is the case in every other place. And what I always tell people in Baton Rouge, we, we are good for mounting up on planes, going to other places where people have done the exact things that we're talking about. You know, paint by numbers. None of this is hard. I've yet to say anything original. We come back here and we say it'll never work here. <laughs> and so we've seen this. This isn't hard. When you invest in communities in ways that are equitable, when you address the predetermines that lead people to risky behavior, uh, the scarcity, the deprivation, the lack of services, the lack of supports. When you do that in a holistic manner, then you do see a change in the social conditions. Don't trust me, get on a plane and go somewhere where they've done this um, many times over. And I know we did get on a plane a couple of years ago on the same canvas trip and went to Cincinnati to look at some things like this that have worked there. Of course, they've got, you know, a lot, a lot more corporate money in Cincinnati than we do in Baton Rouge. But both of you all, you know, being lifelong Baton Rougeans, what is it about the culture here? Because I think, you know, Donnie, Chris speaks to a good point. I mean, we do sort of have this defeatist attitude and we are very provincial in our thinking. And we've all, and the three of us have talked about this, you know, over the years. What is it? And, and how do we change that sort of small-minded thinking? Well, there's such a divide everywhere, nation, the city. It, it's, a, you know, what 
but you know, crime doesn't discriminate. There's crime and homeless in every good area of town of the growth area. So we're all, you know, if, if I was going to, my concern to go into Chris's area would not be the crime. I think that's, that's a concern everywhere, but my concern would, know, it would be the feasibility and the, the finance of the projects, which it sounds like Chris and them are heading in a great direction there. But, you know, it, 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 takes, it takes community leaders, continued communication, crossing lines, crossing racial lines. And, and that's, that's been difficult. I think we've done a lot better than some of the other cities and not as well as others. So this is something we can continue that we can never stop improving. Yeah, I, I, I not to be too, you know, philosophical here, uh, Stephanie, but, you know, we, we I think uh, across the, the diversity of perspectives and, and, and uh, divides in this community, we just have to accept that Baton Rouge is enough. Like, we are worth it. We're, we're a good place. Um, uh, we have attributes. We have good things about this community. There are things worth fighting for. Uh, the, the things that are problematic uh, should not drive us to put our heads in the sand or retreat to our, you know, gated corners of, of the community uh, and, and just, you know, say that nothing can change. Those are things we should lean into. Uh, that can be our superpower. That can be the things that, that we stand before the nation and the world and say, you know what, if you want to figure out how to address systemic poverty and disinvestment in, in neighborhoods, come use Baton Rouge as your laboratory. Look at what we're doing. Come, come help us. Uh, bring your capital. Bring your ideas. Bring your innovation. We're open for business. Uh, I think that kind of attitude is the one that distinguishes cities. And we know that that years ago, you know, we were chasing Austin before Austin became out of reach. Uh, we were chasing Nashville before Nashville became out of reach. Uh, and so it's not like we haven't seen other cities just through the sheer, you know, uh, force of their attitude, their civic pride, their engagement, change the trajectory of their local economies, of their, of, of their national and international brands. And so it, it really is on us to just look in the mirror and say, we're enough. And, 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 you know, we're a great place to be, and therefore we deserve the best of our investment, energy, innovation, uh, and, and, and aspirations. That's, that's great. Um, I, I want to bounce back just to Donnie for a minute, too. Uh, you mentioned, Donnie, the uh, conservative lending climate, and, and you hadn't seen a lot of evictions yet. But, you know, just to take the COVID temperature, what are you seeing in the commercial and the multifamily sector? Uh, in the projects you own, the projects you manage. I mean, people are still hanging on. Yes. I'll, you know, are the banks still working, you know, with the, with the landlords? Well, the, the bank had, you know, they stepped in quick and they gave relief to, you know, nine to 100, 180 days on, on loans to practically all, all the loans that we had. We're 90% commercial, probably 10% multifamily, but we have been fortunate in the 2 million feet that we own and manage we have not seen uh, vacancies. We, we've lost a few dollars, I mean, a few uh, check cashing, uh, but that's been the only retail we've seen, seen that's been impacted. Uh, we've, we've done additional leases. So I'm, I'm very optimistic because you and I had this conversation six months ago. Where will we be in six months? We're a lot better today than I thought we would be. I still think the jury's out. I still think we're going to have a six months. I'll give a, a stronger indicator, but right now, all our tenants are paying. Their numbers are coming back. The restaurants are coming back. Our fitness, our, our, our studios are back to 90% of where they were. So, again, I, I, I've got guarded optimism, but I like where we are, consider where I thought we could be. 
And, and Chris, what are you seeing uh, along Plank Road in the, in the areas that Build Baton Rouge has targeted for its initial projects? Well, as you would expect, uh, the, the areas where we have severe disinvestment, I think, are um, hit harder by the, uh, the COVID crisis and the associated financial fallout. Uh, and so, um, you know, our work we feel is even more pressing. And I think talking to some of uh, the, the philanthropists and, and others who are in the community development space, they feel an increased urgency to get capital moving uh, to stimulate projects because uh, the, 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 the effect of the crisis is, is felt uh, most intensely on communities that are already struggling with uh, scarcity and, and deprivation. Well, Chris Tyson and Donnie Jaro, I wish we had more time to continue this conversation because it's been so interesting. And real estate is a, is a powerful engine in our economy. It takes people with experience and insight to make good, equitable investment decisions and to encourage others to do the same. You both are doing so much to change the landscape of Baton Rouge for the better, and it's been great having you on today. Thanks for taking the time to share your insights on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you very much. My guests on Out to Lunch have been Chris Tyson of Build Baton Rouge and Donnie Jaro of Jaro Real Estate. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Build Baton Rouge and Jaro Real Estate by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. We're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansur's on the Boulevard one day. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansur's is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.